Welcome to the Redeemer Community Church Podcast. The following audio is from Redeemer Community Church, located in Johnson City, Tennessee. We hope it will be encouraging to you as you listen. How's it going, Redeemer? And welcome to Christmas 2020. Welcome to Advent as we begin to prepare to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we think about Christmas, it should bring joy to us. I mean, you have vacations and lights and family time and traditions and lots of great food and and desserts, peppermint mocha lattes, classic Christmas movies. It's just, it's such a good time of the year, the most wonderful time of the year, but this year feels different. I mean, the world has changed. We went through a historical economic collapse. There have been, to date, over 260,000 COVID-related deaths. Scabs were peeled away, revealing deep racial tension that's led to protests and all kinds of civil unrest. Uh, This presidential election, as far as in my lifetime, was the most divisive I've ever seen. I mean, whether it's family members, friends, coworkers, colleagues, neighbors, just divisive, a, a lot of a lot of stuff going on. And so in all of these seismic events, in all of these seismic events, there is a lot of confusion and people have gone through a lot of loss. And so for 2020, it's hard. It's hard to be like, joy. It's hard to be like, joy. And I would say that people, people are fighting for hope, but how can we see hope when all is dark? And that's what we're gonna focus on for the next few weeks. How, how can we see hope when all is dark? And the good news is that our cultural backdrop, really the backdrop of the whole world right now is, is something that brings clarity to Christmas. So if we wanna see hope, this backdrop is going to help us with clarity to see the beauty of Jesus. And I'm telling you, Christmas, Christmas is exactly what we need, all right? It's exactly what we need. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter one, okay? And as you're turning to Luke, I just wanna talk about two different people real quick. Um, The first person, this person is a cultural icon. If you were to Google, who's the most famous person in the world, they would be the number one. They would hit the top of the list. Their influence, I mean, it spanned across four decades. They, they were known on the world stage and the Guinness Book of World Records has said that they are the most successful entertainer of all time. I mean, Kanye West might say it's Beyonce, but we're talking all time and it's, it's not her, right? So, so imagine you have one person who is so famous, so well-known, all right? And then I wanna talk about someone else, all right? This other person, they were, they were pretty much not known, right? They never traveled more than a few hundred miles from their home. Um, they were never interviewed by a, a pop culture platform. I mean, like Vanity's not like, let's interview this person, right? They're never, they're never interviewed, they never wrote a book, they never recorded a song. Um, they weren't considered to be good looking. No one was like, look at that person. Like they got it. You know, no, they weren't considered to be good looking. Okay. And, and so we have these two different, this two different people. One lived on the world stage, famous. The other one lived a pretty simple life in a very rural area. 
Right? The first person is the king of pop, Michael Jackson. The second person is the king of the world. The second person is Jesus, okay? And so as, as more people, all right, when we think about Jesus, more people know about him than anyone else in human history. Um, more songs have been written regarding him. More paintings have been painted of him. More books written concerning him than anyone else in history. That's why no one is celebrating August 29th. Like, what is today? It's MJ's birthday. No, but we do. Lots of people celebrate December 25th. And so if we're going to celebrate Christmas, if we're going to celebrate Jesus, we need to know who he is. We need to know what he said. We need to know what he came to do. And, and that's what we want to accomplish over these next few weeks is talking about Jesus and getting to know him better. All right, so, so let's look at verses one through four of Luke chapter one. It says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Okay, we're just going to cover the first four verses today in Luke chapter 1. And I've got just a quick outline. There's two points and a challenge. Okay, two points one challenge. That's where we're going. The first point is this. I want you to know that hope. We talk about seeing hope when all is dark. Hope is not blind. Okay. The first point is this. Hope is not blind. So the reason why I want to go through the book of Luke this Christmas is because I believe in, in our current cultural climate, more people are searching for something. More people are searching for answers, searching for something to hold on to, searching for something that's real, searching for, I mean, whether they know it or not, searching for Jesus. More people are searching than ever. But I think when it comes to Jesus, people are simultaneously more skeptical than ever, right? Christianity, maybe it's, maybe it's got some baggage to them or, or just people are like, is this the answer, all right? So I think people are searching, but they're also skeptical. And I'm telling you, Luke, all right, Luke is going to be a great book for us. Because here's the deal. Luke, um, he knows that Jesus is either true or false. The claims that Jesus made, the gospel, is either true or false, which means that Jesus is either someone that we should receive and someone we should cherish, or he's someone that we should reject and someone that we should hate. Okay, there, there's no in-between there. Like, receive the message and cherish it or reject it and hate it. There, there is no in-between. It's, it's that extreme when it comes to the message that he preached, okay? So Luke comes to that question from a skeptic's point of view, all right? Luke knows that this is important. He knows that it's something that we either receive and cherish or we reject and hate. And so he is approaching Jesus from a skeptic's point of view, all right? So with that being said, all right, when he says he's writing about things that have been accomplished, Things that have been accomplished, you'll notice that in verse 1, um, have been, past tense, have been accomplished. What we see here is that this is a historical investigation of actual events. If you're looking at the book of Luke, what is Luke? It's a gospel concerning Jesus, right? But it is a historical investigation 
of actual events. So Luke, he admits, he's like, look, other people have already written on this. Mark um, had already written a gospel. Matthew had already written a gospel. He's like, we've got sources already. He's like, I've followed their teachings for some time. You've heard it. And he goes, but I'm coming at this like Indiana Jones. Okay, he is the Indiana Jones of the New Testament. He's the Sherlock Holmes. He's, he's coming in, in a different approach, investigating this from a skeptic's point of view. So what he does is he's going to interview eyewitnesses. Look in verse two, just to those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. He's talking like, look, he goes and talks to people who are eyewitnesses. So if you're Luke, who are the people you're going to investigate? Who are the people you're going to try to set up an appointment to talk to? He's talking to people who sat under Jesus's sermons and were taught by him. He's talking to family and friends, neighbors. He's talking to people who were actually healed by Jesus. He's talking to people maybe that built the cross that Jesus was crucified on. I mean, like, but he's interviewing all these different people who saw these events take place. And what he's doing is he's interviewing all these people. He's also traveling to very specific locations. Um, so imagine as he's looking at the event, like he might be picking up some dirt in his hand and just really putting himself in this moment of where the said event happened. He's he's writing everything down, just taking note of everything. And he's compiling that. And he's creating a map. And he's trying to create a full picture of who Jesus is, what Jesus said, what he was about, what he came to do, and, and whether or not it was true or not. So he takes a historical approach, right, and investigates the events to know, is this true, which means it's something that we should receive and cherish, or is it false, which means it's something we should reject and something we should hate. And here's what I want you to know. Luke's, Luke's faith, when we think about his faith, when you read later in Paul, Paul wrote a ton of the New Testament. Luke wrote more um, when it comes to amount of words written. Um, Paul got beat up all the time. I mean, just like jumped and stoned and thrown on the edge of the town when they thought he was dead. Luke was most likely his doctor, right? He was a physician, most likely Paul's doctor. Like he's like, I'll help you out. I'll fix you up and get you back out there. Good game, go, right? And so Luke is most likely Paul's doctor, but but Luke, okay, he he is is he has a faith that I believe starts out very skeptical, hence the investigation here, but ends very dynamically. Because at the end of Paul's life, when everyone's leaving Paul, people are like, that guy, it's a plague to get away from him. Like, don't associate with that dude. Paul writes how Luke was one of the only people that stayed by his side. So yeah, he starts off with some hard questions, but that results in one of the most dynamic faiths that we see in the scriptures, okay? So what I want you to know is that faith Luke's faith wasn't just a leap in the dark. Luke was not just, I hope this is true. His faith was backed by reason. Well, I want you to think about this. Um, this date, okay, November 29th, 1990, a significant event happened. The, the UN Security Council approved a US-sponsored um, proposal to, to basically take physical force against Iraq if Iraq refused to exit or to remove themselves from Kuwait, who they were trying to annex. Okay, so, so this is on the front heels of, of the Gulf War, Desert Storm. Now that's 30 years ago. So if, if I had questions, if I wanted to start to investigate, if I want to become a journalist and to know what happened in the Gulf War, 
there are people I could talk to because 30 years is close enough for me to find eyewitnesses who are still alive. Still alive. I mean, for instance, one of my friends from college, his dad is a, a general in the Air Force and actually led the first airstrike. He was the F-16 pilot who led the first squadron to go and make the airstrikes. I could go and set up an interview with his dad. My dad um, had to do two different tours over there. He was a base commander in Saudi Arabia because of this. Like I could go talk to my dad and I could get my dad to tell me about other people. To invest. Like I, It's close enough to the events that I can find people who were there. I can find people who saw and, and, and experienced it and get their accounts. And so Luke writes this gospel within 30 years of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. So within 30 years. So that means that he is able to go back in time. It's not so far detached that he can't find anybody. He is talking to people who were there, who experienced Jesus. And so with that being said, his, his faith's not just a leap in the dark. Instead, it's one backed by reason. Okay, so our hope in Jesus our hope in Jesus is not blind. It's backed with confidence because the biblical account of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, it offers the most reasonable solution or the most reasonable explanation to the historical facts that we find surrounding Jesus's life. So when you look at the historical facts, not just from the Bible, but from other sources and look at the facts that we would affirm, these are historical, and look at what's the most reasonable solution to answer the facts that we know of, the biblical account offers the most reasonable explanation to all of them. Now, when I say hope, I want you to know that there, there are two types of hope. There's wishful thinking hope, and then there is confident expectation hope. Okay, wishful thinking. I hope, I hope that things are back to normal by mid-spring. I mean, wouldn't it be great if by March we were back to normal for the most part? Like that's, that is wishful thinking at this point. I thought surely we'd be back to normal by now, but we're not, all right? So it's wishful thinking. I, I, I just don't have a ton of confidence. I don't have a lot of expectation that we're gonna be back to normal or even close to normal by March right now. Okay, that's wishful thinking. If it happens, awesome, I'm hoping for it, but I just, I don't know. Now. There's another hope that is what I what I would say is it's confidence, okay? It's confident expectation. So here's what that looks like. Um, let's say that you're on an airplane and you got delayed on the runway, you get a late takeoff and you're, you're like, I've got to make a connection flight. And what if we're late? And then as you're in the air, the pilot gets on, he says, we've got a good tailwind and that's our only hope of an on-time arrival. Now, all of a sudden, this pilot has a confident expectation that the plane will make it on time because of something that is already there. Not something in the future that's unknown, but something that is present and fully known. And so because of that presence, that hope is different. It's a confident expectation because of what we know. And so when we think about biblical hope, it's a desire for something good in the future, but it isn't wishful thinking. It's a confident expectation that is based on reason, based on the, the facts and the truth that we have, right? So I just wanna say this, don't believe the lie. Do not believe the lie that Christianity is only for those who can't think for themselves. Don't believe the lie that Christianity is just for those who are fools and get tricked into conspiracy theories because that's simply not true. All right, some people have a simple faith and, and I, I admire that and I think, and I know that is enough other people have a, a, a much more um, thoughtful journey, all right? Like they, they, they've analyzed things much more intensely and, and I, both are good, but I'm saying like, but there are very intelligent people who have thought through this stuff way beyond what I've ever thought through and saying like, yes, 
Yes, like smart people believe Christ, okay? And so I would say if we backtrack to this, Luke and Theophilus were both extremely well-educated men. When it says most excellent for Theophilus, I mean, this guy was a, he was in a very influential, powerful position. That's why he called him most excellent. Luke, like I said, he was a physician. He was, he was the doctor that was putting Luke back, back together um, throughout Luke's missionary journeys. Like these guys were very well educated and they searched out, they're, they're searching out for Jesus and, and concluding that yes, he is real. Yes, he is true. All right. So point one is that, please know this, when I talk about hope, I'm not talking about something that's, that's blind. I'm talking about something that we have confident expectation for. Next, or the next point is this. Hope is for you. So point one, hope is not blind. Point two, hope is for you. So who is Luke dedicating this work to? The book of Luke, also the book of Acts, probably one work, just divided in the middle, two parts. Um, who's it dedicated to? Well, in, in verse three, we see to the most excellent Theophilus, right? So who was Theophilus? I already said, because it says most excellent, we know he's, he's in a position of power and influence. But what else do we know about him? Well, some people speculate that maybe he was the one who, who funded Luke's project. I mean, it cost money for Luke to travel. Luke probably had a team of people with him for this investigation. And so how do you pay for that? Well, maybe Theophilus is the one who said like, hey, I'll, I, I'll pay for this. But we know that, that whether he was the one who bankrolled this project or not, that he's probably one of two, fits in one of two categories. Um, he's either a non-Christian who has a lot of questions. And he's like, okay, I'm curious. And so I want you to go and do the research for me and bring it back to me. Just give me an orderly account. Um, or he is a, a non-Christian, all right? So he's either a non-Christian has a lot of questions or he is a Christian, right? Probably young in his belief that just needs a more solid foundation. He's like, look, I, I believe, I, I do believe, but I would just love some, some more, um, ground beneath me and so would you take part of this project either way like he's got questions he's got questions and he wants luke to put together an orderly account and luke does so for his salvation he's like i want you to know about jesus i want you to have certainty not not this like i think i'm 50 percent 51 percent sure he's real he's like i want you to have certainty 100 percent certainty that jesus is the truth and so he puts together this account for them now why i point that out is because because God cared enough about Theophilus, not just as, as a number in the world. We know that God loves the world, but he, he loves the world one person at a time. So God cared enough about Theophilus that he would have two works, significant works in the, the New Testament dedicated towards helping him know Jesus. And I can tell you this, God cares about you by name just as much. God cares about you by name just as much. There's a commercial. I think it's a financial advisor commercial. I'm not sure. Not sure what, apparently the advertising didn't work great because I don't know what it was for, but I remember the commercial. And what happens is there's someone's like, hey, Tom, and, and they're like, it's not my name. And then someone else gets their coffee and they look at it and the wrong name's written on it. And they're just like, and then, then after you see a couple of different things where people just don't know someone's name, um, so a financial advisor walks up and is like, how's it going? and knows their name. The whole slogan is how like, you're not just a number to us, you're a person, right? And so when you think about it, there is something significant about someone knowing your name. I don't know if you've ever met someone and thought like, they'll have no idea who I am, but then you see them later and they're like, how's it going, Jeff? How's it going? And you're like, they cared enough about me to, to know I'm, just, I'm, I'm a name to them. And so I'll tell you this, you are, you are a person that God fully knows and he knows you by name. And just as he cared enough about someone like Theophilus 
to have two works dedicated to helping him know Jesus. God cares enough about you by name to send his one and only son to die on the cross in your place so that you could have everlasting life through Jesus. That's good news and that's incredible love and that hope is for you. Okay, so, so two points. Hope isn't blind and hope is for you. All right, so what's the main point of this? What's the main point I want you to get? Well, the main thing I want you to know is this. Whether you're a doubter, a seeker, or a follower of Christ, the hope Christmas offers is for you. Whether you are a doubter, a seeker, or a follower of Christ, the hope Christmas offers is for you. There's a story, a real story, about World War II where some planes, um, they took off from an aircraft carrier to go do some scouting on some submarines. And as they were, they were out in the night sky doing their scouting trip, they began to return. And um, as they were getting closer to where the, the ship should have been, they, they signaled on the radio to, to give us some light so that we can find the ship. And, um, and what happened when they were out, um, out doing their thing is that the ship was, was given blackout orders. So when they on the radio say, could you give us some light? The person responds and says, we can't. We're under strict blackout orders. And so they, they continued to search for the ship, came up unsuccessful. So again, they said, just give us some light. Just give us a little bit of light and we can make it home. And, and they, they responded, sorry, we are on strict blackout orders. And so what happened is these, these six planes, um, they all crashed into the Northern Atlantic. And um, each of these, these people were never found. And as we think about... You know, the world right now, it feels so dark. And it's like, man, if we just have a little bit of light, if we could just have a little bit of light, and that's what Christmas offers us. You see, in the darkness of 2020, we need light. And the birth of Jesus, who is God's salvation, brought the light that offers hope to our world. Jesus brings light. So here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. If you need hope that's more than wishful thinking, I want to challenge you to join me. To join me. To join Luke. To join Theophilus. To join others in investigating Jesus. Would you do that this Christmas? Would you join me and others in investigating Jesus? So here's, here's the challenge. The book of Luke is written from a skeptic's point of view. It offers more detail than any other gospel account. I mean, there's 41 stories that Luke tells that are not found in any other gospel. If Luke didn't write them down, they would be lost. Um, he gives so much detail for people like Theophilus, people like you, not to have wishful thinking, but to have certainty. Look at verse four, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And so there are 24 chapters in the book of Luke. 24 days until Christmas, starting on December 1st. So on December 1st, I'm going to read Luke 1. December 2nd, Luke 2. And I'm going to continue to read one chapter a day until the 24th. And then on the 24th day, Christmas Eve, we will have read the whole Gospel of Luke, all 24 chapters. And with that, we will know who Jesus is. We'll know the hope that he offers, hope for a restored and new world, hope for forgiveness, hope for um, eternal life. We'll know the hope that he offers and we'll know why we celebrate Christmas, right? Because Christmas, yes, it's, it's about the birth of Christ. 
But Advent, it's not just to look to the first coming of Christ, it's also to anticipate the second coming of Christ. And so when Jesus, um, the night before he was betrayed, he, he had dinner with his friends. And in this moment, he, he, took, he took some bread and he, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. And he took a cup of wine. And, and with that, he said, this is my blood, which represents the new covenant with God. And, and, and he says, often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, um, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And so we want to remember Jesus this morning. So if you are a follower of Christ, I want to invite you to take the Lord's Supper with us. Here in a minute, you'll have some space and an opportunity to do that. And, and as you do, remember that Jesus's life was given for you and his blood was spilt for you so that you could have certainty of your right standing with God, that you could have certainty that God will right every wrong right, that he will make the world new, that he will bring peace, a wholeness, a rightness to everything there is, and that, that this side of eternity, this side of eternity, the, 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 the worst day in heaven will be better than the best day we've experienced here. And so all the bad things we're going through now, remember that there is something better to come and it's offered to us in Christ and Christ alone. So let me pray for us, then I'll give you some space to take the Lord's Supper. God, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for Luke and how he went through this historical investigation of actual events so that people like us could have certainty God, as we remember the cross, looking towards the birth of Jesus, God, remember that, help us to remember that, yes, the world is dark. Um, yes, it is dark, but we have hope because of the cross and the cross guarantees it. And we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to this audio from Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. You can connect with us and find out more information at RedeemerCommunity.com.